You're listening to the King's Church DC podcast. King's Church is located in the heart of Washington DC and exists to make Jesus known in our city through enduring presence that brings personal conversion, purposeful living, and community reconciliation. We hope you enjoy the following sermon. Well, welcome everyone. Um, I know you're all sad that we're not uh, preparing a sermon right now and preaching it to you. Uh, but today is Baptism Sunday, and we get to let the word speak, and we get to let these testimonies proclaim Christ this morning. And there's something incredibly powerful about seeing with our eyes and hearing with our ears uh, what God has done in the lives of these individuals. So I'm going to read you just the scripture as we kind of launch ourselves into this time from Romans 6, uh, which these testimonies are, are going to be proclaiming today. Uh, this truth that what Christ has done in their lives, that we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. The stories today are stories of that reality, stories of freedom in Christ, and as we'll see symbolized, being buried with Christ in a death like his, and being raised to Christ in newness of life. And so I'm going to have Bradley uh, begin as we kind of launch into this time. Way down here. All right. Good morning, church. So my name is Bradley. For those of you who don't know me, I'm one of the lay pastors here at King's Church. So here at King's, we follow the New Testament pattern of baptizing believers, which is the full water immersion in the name of Jesus Christ. And so there are some different views on baptism across Christian traditions, but the pattern that we see throughout the New Testament is that baptism always comes after being, being, uh, sorry, being a believer in Jesus Christ. And we follow that pattern here at King's. So before we begin, there are two important things we should remember about this ordinance called baptism. So first is that this is an individual's act. So when someone decides to get baptized, it is an outward expression of an inward change. Each of these people about to get baptized have come to faith in Jesus. He has changed them from the inside out. They've experienced a new life. They've been baptized with and buried with Christ and are being raised up with him. And today they are publicly declaring that reality through baptism. And then secondly, baptism is also a church's act. These believers are not just baptizing themselves but they're being baptized by the church, represented here by Ben, Wesley, Daniel, and myself. The New Testament teaches that we as a local church have been given the keys to the kingdom, which means it is our job to testify to each other's faith and to declare based on the evidence that these are in fact followers of Jesus Christ. So today in baptism, we're declaring that these people belong to him, that they've been saved by grace, and we as a church are saying, yes, these people belong to Jesus Christ. So if I can go ahead and have you guys line up, and we'll, we'll begin. So first up for baptism, we have Ryder Grunseth from the state of Minnesota. All right, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you all. Uh, before I get started, I just wanna kinda give some thanks to First to King Community, it's been incredible. Uh, second to uh, Wesley and Ben, who've encouraged me towards baptism. Uh, for my mom, who's here today, uh, who just has been a rock in my life before I came to know Jesus, and, and even so now. 
And then for two uh, mighty men of God here today, Will Smothers and Trent White, uh, they were really uh, monumental in just helping me get to know Jesus better. So, uh, so yeah, uh, so it's good to be with you all. Um, my story, probably like many people, uh, is a gritty and battlefield one. This morning, I'll be talking about the battlefield journey that saved my life. Growing up, my family went to church. We prayed. We did small groups and the like. In high school, my mom and I moved from Minnesota to Washington, D.C., where I finished high school. For college, I enrolled at the University of Alabama, Roll Tide, <laughs> where after years of engaged small groups, intentional prayer, reading the Bible, I started to get to know God a little bit, but I didn't know him. Even though I thought I did, I definitely didn't believe in him at the time. After finishing college, I moved back to Washington, continuing the same habits as I had in college, the good and the bad. In the fall of 2018, I was having my morning quiet time when I read Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, which reads, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. I had read that verse a hundred times, but for some reason when I read it that morning, something became very clear to me. The faith that I had was not a gift from God. It was a transactional, work hard, and good deeds equal salvation faith. As I know now, that is not the gift mentioned in Ephesians. For about the next year, I dug into various Bible reading, readings that focused on the interpersonal aspects of Jesus, specifically the book of John. As I struggled with monumental wounds and the effects of depression, sexual impurity, and abandonment, I was able to experience pieces of Jesus' grace. However, what I didn't know was what was happening in my heart this time was that a father wound that I received from my dad when I was young was festering and becoming more and more infected. In August of 2019, I was at a family reunion in Minnesota and I got into a pretty serious spat with my dad. It wasn't the worst argument we, that we had had, but it broke something in my heart. After I returned from Minnesota, I spent the next four months fighting a bout of depression that still to this day was the worst experience of heart heaviness that I've ever had. Thankfully, God came in and dropped a few friends and mentors that brought me through that season. After seeking therapy and mentorship, I realized that I had a crater-sized hole in my heart that my birth father had left when my parents divorced. It was revealed to me that what was causing the depression the heaviness on my heart was bitterness that I had stored up against my dad from all those years, and I needed to forgive him. I tried to forgive him in the past, but I was never able to make that decisive decision of releasing him of what he had done to our family. There were years of junk and baggage, so it was clear that I needed help in forgiving him. One night, after spending much of the morning praying with my church, I created a ledger. I made a list of every wrong that I thought my dad had committed against me. Then I listed a monetary value to each wrong and what I thought was owed me. When I listed everything out, I tried to make that decision to forgive him, but I still couldn't. I then went down the list and imagined what each of those things or moments might have been like if he had been that type of father, if he had been a good father. It was that tactic that helped me put in perspective, and that night I was able to forgive my dad. I remember experiencing a great peace for about a month. It was incredible. However, there was still a major decision to be made. Even though I'd forgiven my dad, which was huge, I still didn't know Jesus. I didn't believe in him. But I think forgiving my dad may have paved the way to that decision. And on January 21st, 2020, I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I remember that morning very clearly. It was the day after my last therapy session and something in my heart was different. Something had turned. Revelations 3.20 came to mind, which says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So that's what I did. I asked Jesus to come in and I told him he could never leave. 
I told him that if he wanted to be in my life, he needed to stay. He's never broken that promise, and he never will. He was always there before that day, but now he's in my heart. Since then, I've been able to put my, I've been able to better put my trust in him, love him, and serve others, including my dad. Things like battling with sin haven't gotten easier. In fact, in some ways, it's become more difficult. But the rock in my life remains, and that rock is Jesus. Thank you for listening. All right, next up, we have Amy McCoy from the state of Texas. Hi, (laughs) Um, my name is Amy, for those of you who don't know me. Um, And to my friends who came out here today, thank you so much for being here. It means so much. Um, This is Caroline, by the way. She's um, a friend since preschool, and she's played a huge role um, in my personal walk with Jesus. Um, For most of my life, I had a faith based on tradition and shame rather than a personal relationship with God. I grew up in a very Catholic household. We went to Mass every Sunday, daily Mass when I didn't have school. The rosary was my method of praying, um, and I was confirmed in the 10th grade. I could go on. Um, I believed in God, and I saw him as the Lord and Savior of my life, but I didn't have a personal relationship with him, and I didn't understand God's grace for me. I saw God as the distant authority and someone I always fell short of. Throughout most of my life, I turned to friends and relationships outside of my family and God for stability. At 15, I started dating a guy and ended up dating him for eight more years. He was my best friend, and I sought my value, identity, and security in him. He loved God, and God used him to move in my life. In college, um, I started going to his church, which was a non-denominational church. Initially, I would go to Mass, and then I would pop over to church with him. And over time, um, gradually, I just felt a closeness to God and a freedom that I knew was not based on membership in the Catholic Church, but through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And by my junior year of college, I stopped identifying as Catholic altogether. God had started a new work in my heart and faith then, but it wasn't until that eight-year dating relationship ended and I moved to D.C. that I really, truly began to seek and know God, form a relationship with God, and trust God. When I moved to D.C., I lived with Caroline, um, which was a total God thing. I was literally like halfway through a marathon and run into Caroline on the street. (laughs) And a few weeks later, I simultaneously got the job I was interviewing for and wanted, and a room opened up in her place. Sorry, I lost my place. From that day, from the day I moved in, Caroline never stopped pointing me to Christ and was so intentional in the way she spoke about her faith. She invited me into her morning quiet times where she would pray for me. She would teach me what she was learning. Over time, she taught me how to read my Bible, and she would leave me verses by the morning cup of coffee. Um, Those are some of my very favorite memories because they were so transformative to my faith. In Mark 2, there's a story about friends carrying a paralytic man to Jesus that Jesus heals and saves because of the faith of this man's friends. Caroline was that friend who carried me to the feet of Jesus. 
And I'm so glad she was consistent in pointing me to God and for her obedience to the Lord. I have grown to love our God, who is both the lion and the lamb, strong and all-powerful, yet gentle and lowly. Marjorie, that was for you. (laughs) Um, More than I can explain. My testimony reminds me a lot of the parable of the lost sheep in Matthew 18 and Luke 15 that talks about leaving the 99 sheep for the one that was lost. I was that one, but God used various relationships like the guy I dated for eight years in Caroline to bring me close to him and to teach me to walk daily with him. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense, and my future is secure. I've come to know God's grace on my life He has steadfastly continued to provide my every need in friends and community, work, living situations. I continue to believe he is good for me in my life and so much purpose in all my roles he's given me as a daughter, a sister, a friend, and a creative. I can now look back and see God in every aspect of my life, in the mundane and in the exciting moments. He's been so gracious and sovereign. I've now been actively pursuing God for the past few years, and this summer I started to think about getting baptized. Since then, I started attending Kings, where I've had so many conversations around baptism, faith, and personal testimonies that have challenged and encouraged me in my walk with Jesus and in my decision to get baptized today. I have felt so loved by the members and pastors of this church since coming here. The church shows up for others and leaves the 99 to find the one lost. I was that one lost, but today I'm rejoicing in being found. And thank you for being here. (laughs) And next we have Jonathan Clackering from the state of Maryland. Hey there, guys. <laughs> so uh, my road to salvation uh, might resemble one of a typical kid growing up in a Christian home. Uh, my, my surroundings were all Christian. However, they all told me that I had to say a prayer in order to get saved, and that was it. It almost seemed like a business transaction to me. And I said that prayer when I was 15, uh, 14, under pressure to feel accepted, uh, but there was no heart change that occurred when that happened. I I had one struggle that really separated me from Christ, uh, and that is deep, unrepented pride. Like many young teenagers, uh, my pride presented itself as disobedience to authority. The moment that I was told to do something, uh, it ensured that I would fight against it as much as possible. Uh, I viewed Christianity as a set of rules that I had to abide by in order to cash my right to get to heaven, and so I had an aversion to Christianity as binding and obtrusive, so I had obstructive. Uh, Fast forward to my first year in college, uh, when I had my freedom out from under my Christian authorities. I exploited it. Uh, I lived for the weekend, where I abused alcohol, friendships, sexual sin, and actively avoided God at all costs, which at Liberty University is hard to do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My first year in college, um, sorry. So one evening um, in my junior year, I was deeply convicted um, out of nowhere. And to this day, I cannot tell you what sparked this conviction um, other than the Holy Spirit. I was not convicted about any individual sin that I had um, that I was committing, but by the fact that I did not know God and he did not know me at all. I broke down in tears in my room that night and prayed for forgiveness. I was truly saved that night. 
It was different from when I was 14. I could feel the heart change that took place. The Holy Spirit was now within me. Since that night in 2016, um, it has been six years and I've not been baptized. My cardinal sin of pride uh, continued to be a struggle. And even after being saved, there was always a part of me that felt as if I were to get baptized, then it would bring satisfaction to all those people who pressured me when I was younger. I didn't want them to win. Uh, for the past couple of years, I have felt God calling me to carry out this commandment of baptism. Uh, but then I also felt that the voice of the voice on my shoulder, uh, that was the devil, swelling up pride in my life. The pride seeped into other things um, apart from just baptism. I had a resistance of getting involved and committed to a church community, uh, to serving, and to diving in further on the pursuit of knowing the person of Christ. Uh, this voice in my head would say things like, you don't need to pursue Christ as long as you believe in the gospel. It doesn't matter. Or baptism is, a is not a requirement to get to heaven, so why would you let these people win? The more and more involved I would get into a church community, the louder this voice on my shoulder got, and it would cause me to pull back. This was the definition of spiritual warfare that was occurring in my life. Finally, in 2020, uh, during the, couple week the first couple weeks of the pandemic, I met Ben Palka and uh, was introduced to King's Church. Uh, this community really caused a big conundrum in my life. I could no longer be half in and half out. Uh, I couldn't have this apathetic stance on a community centered in Christ. I could no longer be lukewarm. The more I got involved in the Kings, the louder the voice of pride in my life got louder telling me to pull away. But through the sanctification of the Holy Spirit, in my time at King's Church, I'm able to take practical steps to fight my sin nature and obey Christ. I can confidently say that I'm a Christian, and beyond that, I am taking this active step in baptism because I choose to put my pride aside and follow Christ no matter the resistance I feel in my heart. Because the best way to combat temptation is to dive further into, further into the pursuit of God alongside a community of believers such as this one sitting right in front of me. Thank you. All righty, so from the state of Texas, we have Dawson Robb. Well, first off, I would like to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for allowing this to be possible. Without his grace and mercy, there is no story of salvation. Secondly, I would like to thank you for being such a caring community and sharing this special moment with me as a church. My name is Dawson Robb and I'm from the small town of Lampasas, Texas. I grew up attending a small Baptist church every Sunday. Many of the church members used to joke with me that I would either be a preacher or a politician. Well, <laughs> here I am in Washington, D.C., the heart of politics, as I like to call it. So maybe it wasn't a joke after all. Growing up, I was surrounded by family, friends, and a great community of people that loved me and desired for me to know Jesus. Through the years, I heard many sermons as a kid, and I thought the answer seemed so simple. Jesus was the answer to all of my problems, but I didn't understand what it truly meant to follow him and to believe in Christ as my savior. I thought that if I just declared publicly that I accepted Jesus into my heart, all of my problems would go away and I would be made new. Thus, at a young age, I was baptized, and afterwards, I thought I was saved. I just needed to follow a couple rules 
and I would be good. Yet when middle school and high school came around, I was struggling to find my identity. I looked to fit in with the crowds, but also tried to follow the same rules that Christians followed. I chased after titles, awards, and being the guy that everybody liked. I loved doing community service and helping others, and I thought that I was doing great things, but those things alone would not fill me. Most people thought I was a good guy and had everything figured out, but underneath the mask, I was broken, empty, and looking for true fulfillment. When I got to college in the fall of 2020, I thought making good grades and succeeding would fill the hole in my heart. Furthermore, I studied extremely hard every week to do well in my classes, but I quickly realized that I was still empty. I turned to partying, where I found only temporary happiness, which always left me looking forward to the next party. Then one evening, halfway through the fall semester, I stepped outside the bar I was at, and my brokenness hit an all-time high. It finally hit me that I was empty, and I had absolutely no clue what could fix me. And I'm glad the story doesn't end there. Time went by, and in September of 2021, my best friend got arrested. Seeing him starting to go to church afterwards made me curious. Eventually, he invited me to go to church with him, and I went. Seeing the Lord change and restore him made me want to look deeper at who Jesus truly was and is. After attending church with my friend multiple Sundays, the Holy Spirit moved in my heart, and when I heard the gospel, I knew it was the truth. I finally realized that Jesus was and is the way, the truth, and the life. I realized that all along, Jesus simply wanted my heart and for me to surrender it to him. I finally understood how much of a wretch I was, and yet how much greater his love and mercy for me. And so in February 2021, I surrendered my life to Christ truly for the first time, and I've been walking with Jesus since, shortly before I moved to Washington, D.C. in August. When I first moved from Texas to Washington, D.C., I was looking for a church, but I couldn't find one that had a good community. Then, uh, shout out to my boss, Justin Tedder. <laughs> she told me about Kings. After attending for two Sundays, I heard the sermon about Adam and Eve and how they rebelled against God. Yet he was so gracious and merciful to them. God didn't abandon them. Instead, he foreshadowed that one day he would send Jesus to destroy the devil. This reminded me about what Jesus did on the cross out of grace, even though I had done nothing to deserve it. And I felt God telling me in my heart that it was time to get baptized and that there was no reason to wait. I had been born again by the Spirit, but now it was time to get baptized and publicly declare Jesus Christ to be my Savior. I would like to conclude my testimony with a few verses of Scripture that speak to this act of obedience. In Acts chapter 8, the apostle Philip leads the Ethiopian eunuch to faith in Jesus. And it says, As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. All right, and next up we have Emily Robertson from the state of Virginia. 
Hi, everyone. I'm uh, actually originally from North Carolina, but I'm glad to be a Virginia now. Um, <laughs> and I just want to say <laughs> thank you uh, so much for being here. I'm glad that everyone's here, and I'm blessed to be here myself. Um, I grew up in the Christian faith. My family and I went to a Presbyterian church where I was dedicated as a baby and learned about God, which I'm truly grateful for. In middle school, I was confirmed to become a member of the church and I had to write about my faith and who the Holy Triumph God was. I remember struggling because while I always felt connected to God, it was hard for me to write down and put it all into words because I didn't have a genuine relationship just yet. I knew that Jesus was the Son of God and that he died on the cross for our sins, for my sins. I prayed before meals and before I went to sleep. I went to church. I volunteered with the church a few times. But even then, I didn't fully understand what it meant to live for the Lord and what that looked like until I went to college. The summer before my freshman year of college, I wanted to seek God. I decided to read my Bible all the way through. It took me a little over a year, but I did it. During that time and throughout my time at Liberty, the Lord used this as a way for me to draw closer to Him. I learned about God and salvation in my Bible classes, but also through hearing other people's testimonies, whether that be from students or speakers who came to our school. I remember experiencing doubt at times, whether I was actually saved or not. But even through those doubts, I was always reminded in my heart of who Jesus is and that he gave his life for me. I experienced God and his grace throughout my time at Liberty. Go Flames. <laughs> I had been blessed by God in ways I couldn't even imagine. I met amazing people and had amazing once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. And even now, I'm amazed at the doors that have opened in the place I'm in right now. Even though I was growing more in my faith and living for the Lord at Liberty, I did have my setbacks. I struggled with temptation and committed sins that I wish I could take back and regret. But I am reminded of God's sovereignty, his grace, his mercy, and his forgiveness when I wake up, when I read my Bible, when I speak with other Christians, and when I go to church. Seeing how God has worked in my life and where I'm at today, I am truly thankful. A verse that I love and wanted to share with you all is Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 29. Jesus went out along with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he questioned his disciples, saying to them, Who do people say that I am? They told him, saying, John the Baptist. And others say, Elijah, but others, one of the prophets. And he continued by questioning them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. And he warned them to tell no one about him. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the Son of Man. He is my friend and my Lord and Savior. The Christian faith is a journey. I grow more in my faith as each day passes, and I pray to grow closer to the Lord, to love him more, and to live for him always. During my time at Liberty, I learned what the meaning of baptism was. After this realization, I wanted to be baptized, but I wanted to be baptized at a church that was true to God's word and didn't conform to the world, and one where I felt connected to the church and could grow more in my faith. I didn't think I'd find a church so, so soon, especially one in DC, but I did. I was going through a hard time my senior year of college um, with making an important decision that would impact the rest of my life, which if I had gone through with it, it would have led to me to moving to Michigan and my life would have been different. At the time, I thought this decision I'd planned on making was in God's will but it wasn't. Ultimately, I didn't feel at peace. I remember hearing a sermon at King's Church for the first time, and the message stood out to me. 
It helped me think about what I was going through, and I realized that the Lord was using that sermon to help me have a better understanding of why one door had closed in my life and why another door had opened. I wanted to keep coming back because King's Church has a great community. You can find accountability here, and I want to serve the D.C. community and grow more in my faith. I am blessed that the Lord has brought me here and that I get to share this experience with all of you today. Thank you. All right, and next up we have Alyssa Kama from the state of Colorado. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Alyssa Kama, and I'm from Denver, Colorado. I was born and raised in a loving Christian home, and from an early age, my dad taught me about Jesus and his love for me. As a kid, I attended church with my dad, but even as a kid, I never really had an interest in pursuing a personal relationship with God, and I didn't really even understand what it would mean for me. I started getting caught up with friends and school and work, and I never saw the need to take my faith seriously or make it a priority, so I just stopped going to church altogether. It wasn't until I was in college, Scobuffs, where I started questioning God's plan for me and really struggling to trust him fully. I just felt so lost and just found myself drifting further and further away from God and digging myself into a deeper hole, always worrying about the future. And it just became this daunting cycle of trying to find purpose and trying to figure different things out, try different things. And it was just getting exhausting because nothing was working. But whenever I found myself um, feeling like there was nothing left for me to do, in that moment, I always turned to God, begging for a sign that he was still with me. Even if it was a small, silent prayer, I would always think about God's plan for me and ask him to show me the way because I knew that God was always looking out for me. Um, and looking back, it was as if God was presenting these challenges to me as a way to guide me back closer to him. It became clear that he was showing me how I cannot go through life alone, nor was I made to. And one verse that has really stuck with me in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all ways, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. When I moved to D.C. last year, the one thing my dad asked was for me to find a church, and I took that seriously. And from that moment, I started taking the time to understand my relationship with Christ. My friends were very encouraging about going to church together, and I immediately found a wonderful community here at King's, and I felt like a huge weight was lifted off my shoulders. As my connection with God became stronger, so did many parts of my life. I was less anxious about the future and overall just genuinely more happy, um, as if life was a huge puzzle and everything was falling into place. I found myself looking forward to going to church, something that once felt like an obligation or a chore now felt like something more enjoyable and just part of my self-care. Um, I never had gotten baptized before because I just never really had the opportunity and I felt like because I was going through phases of doubting my trust in God that I was never really worthy. But after this past year, God has walked with me, guided me, and led me to this very moment to be able to stand here and to be able to say that I have finally put all of my trust in the Lord and whatever happens now, I owe my life to God and will work to serve Him in every way I can. Thank you.
All right, and next up from China, we have Zi Cheng Zane. Good morning, everyone. My name is Zi Cheng. Um, I'm honored to share my testimony today here at King's Church. This is a very significant moment in my life. I know for certain I didn't get to where I am today by accident. God is always in control of my life and he's involved with every little detail in my life. He has always protected me before I even knew him. I didn't grow up in a Christian household, but God gave me two incredible parents who nurtured me with great discipline and unconditional love. I'm the only child in my family, and since an only child has a proclivity for being self-absorbed and spoiled, my parents attempted to overcompensate for these negative traits <laughs> by sending me overseas to study and live independently. Being far away from my family in a new country forced me to grow up and mature. Therefore, self-reliance has always been ingrained in me. Since I believe that is the basis for survival, I began to rely on my own personal effort and ability, not counting on anyone else to help me. In high school, I would always try to do my homework by myself, finish up most of the group projects, and study for finals on Quizlet I made for myself. <laughs> when I travel for competitions, I would always Uber or Airbnb by myself. When my parents were with me in the States, I was the one running all the errands because they don't speak any English. And because I could do everything by myself, I took pride in my competencies and became obsessed with self-sufficiency. But deep down, I was lonely and didn't have a sense of belonging. I used to be Enneagram type five and my core desire was to be capable and competent. My parents, teachers, and coaches always encouraged me to work hard to earn my spot wherever I go. Driven by my desire to be successful, I always believed that my failure is a direct consequence of insufficient personal effort. I had a transactional relationship with myself. I didn't think I was good enough, only if I'm successful. Growing up, I had always believed that I have to pull myself up or no one else can save me, especially when I'm far away from my family. When I lost my athletic career, academic pursuit, and even the opportunity to see my parents, my entire world collapsed. I lost my identity, my hope, and sense of belonging. But that's when I realized I had come to the end of myself and I could no longer save myself. When I was walking through the darkest valley and experiencing absolute disillusionment and hopelessness, God rescued me from worldly catastrophes and transferred me into his marvelous light. And God revealed to me that I no longer needed to earn my spot because he has prepared a, prepared a place for me and I'm already bought with a price. I no longer have to pull myself up because I can take refuge in him and he promised he would never forsake me. I no longer have to prove to anyone because I'm God's workmanship and I'm complete in Christ. After moving to the States many years ago, I still had doubts and confusions about where I belong. When I first visited Keynes this summer, I didn't expect to see how compassionate and genuine this community is. Seeing friends every Wednesday at a small group and every Sunday always gives me a glimpse of God's kingdom. And shout out to my small group. <laughs> 
I'm always moved by the commitment, reciprocity, and generos generosity displayed by this community, and I'm deeply appreciative of all the friends and pastors at Kings who walk alongside me and strengthen my faith. I know I don't just belong to a country or an ideology, but I belong to this community that reflects the love and faithfulness of Jesus Christ. I'm choosing to get baptized today because I now live by faith in the Son of God who is rich in mercy and grace and who loved me and gave himself for me. My entire life is no longer built on sand, but deeply rooted and built up in Christ. And I know this is just the beginning. I understand now my self-worth is independent of what I do. But most importantly, I know my identity doesn't, doesn't come from what I have done in the past, but from what Jesus has done for me because he has redeemed me and has called me by my name. Thank you. And finally, from Georgia, we have Audrey Trainer. I'm, I'm convinced going last is punishment for taking five days to reply to y'all's text. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love y'all. Uh, also, public speaking is one of my greatest fears. So if I pass out, don't panic. Just put me in the tub. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Uh, I had no problem knowing about God, about Jesus, and about the Bible growing up. Between church on Sunday and Bible class Monday through Friday, I could recite to you catechisms and scripture all day long. But most of this was head knowledge, not heart knowledge. In high school, I pretty quickly fell into the wrong crowd, and I spent several years living for the approval of the world, in sin, and running from God. I didn't know it, but even though I turned away from him, he was in constant pursuit of me. My senior year of high school, I had a life-altering encounter with Jesus and for the first time truly understood his grace and love that changed me from the inside out and led me into a new way of life, and I've been following Jesus ever since. So why am I standing here today doing the thing I dread most in life, standing on a stage under lights in front of a bunch of people talking into a microphone? This idea of baptism first began a few years ago as more of a checklist item to do eventually, and I continually put it off because the timing never felt right. I came up with a whole lot of excuses to not get up here, most honestly stemming from pride. But over the past couple of months, God in his loving kindness and gentleness and in his ways that are much higher and better than mine has moved me from a place of I have to get this done to I can't wait any longer to get dunked, as Justin Tedder and Riley Mohark would say. Over the past couple of months, God has taken me on a journey of knowing and understanding his transformative grace deeper and more personally than I've ever known. He's shown me how fully forgiven I am forever, past, present, and future, and that he keeps no record of wrongs, and that he sees me as righteous and holy because of Jesus, and that nothing I do can ever change that. He's broken shackles of shame off my life I didn't even know I was wearing casted out deep-rooted fear and anxiety with his perfect love, and he's shown me my true, unshakable identity in him, his chosen, loved, beautiful daughter. All of this, this life-transforming freedom, forgiveness, righteousness, adoption, and belonging is because of what Jesus accomplished at the cross when he said, it is finished. So I'm standing here in front of you today to tell you what I believe now more than ever. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and I'm standing here free and forgiven, not because of anything I've done, but only by the power of His grace. I'm also standing here today to tell you that this unfathomable, too-good-to-be-true grace is for you, too. 
You're invited to live this adventurously expectant life, free of shame and condemnation and guilt with your creator and your good father who loves you more than you ever thought possible. I promise it will change your life. I read Romans 6 in the message version recently, and this about sums it up. It says, so what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? This is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life and a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going in our new grace-sovereign country. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of King's Church DC podcast. If this sermon encouraged you, please like, rate, and subscribe to our podcast. For more information on our church and service times, please visit kingschurchdc.com. We hope you will join us again next week.